Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. I'm kind of solo hosting to a certain extent. We have a guest today who is one of the original hosts. Not original, sorry. One of the hosts, usually. <laughs> Adi Iyengar. Welcome, Adi. How are you? Hey, Alan. Doing good. Thanks for having yeah. me as a guest. <laughs> as a guest. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm a little bit out of it. It's It's been a crazy week. I, I've been trying to put together my home studio, so I may sound a little bit weird. And I don't know, maybe I'm running an E right now because it's been a long day. But yeah, we thought we would bring you on, obviously. By we, I mean you and I thought we would bring you on. It kind of sounds a little bit weird. Uh, <laughs> like Inception, <laughs> to talk about your book that just, just got released, right? Yep. Yeah, so, yeah it was, it was mm-hmm. released last Friday. Well, did you guys have a big launch party or anything to, to celebrate? Or? No, man. I mean, first of all, I don't think there are launch parties for books, at least at this, that are launched at this scale. But uh, even if there were, I know uh, the first thing I did after the book launch was like, okay, I'm going to finally sleep for seven hours at night. So yeah, <laughs> that's how I did my launch party, sleep. Yeah, that, that sounds like a good party to me. Even I want to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, you've been writing this book. I mean, you, I think you've mentioned this book like so many times before, and now you're just coming out with it, right? I mean, how long has the process been? Yeah, so from start to finish, it's a little over two years. And there's different phases to it, right? Like I I planned it, found a publisher, but realized like very early on that I'm going to need a few tools, and I'll talk about it in detail to help me write this book. So it was like more than just writing a book. It was writing tools sometimes, finding tools that'll help me write this book properly. But I think I was just very lucky to have publishers who were very, you know, flexible and kind of put up with my pickiness in like, you know, wanting to test every aspect of the book. And yeah, uh, Pack, pretty awesome to work with. Wait, wait, wait. You test every aspect. Are you talking about building the, uh, the Mobi file or building the PDF or something? What do you mean by testing every single part of the book? Yeah, yeah, let's let's get into it. I actually gave a talk about this at Codebeam in 2021. So, you know, when you're writing a book, especially a coding book, you insert code snippets in between text, right? It's not always feasible to insert the entirety of code snippets. Sometimes you insert, you know, part partial snippets, right? And there's a lot of copy and paste. And as you change code, which I'm sure you, you know, you can imagine you do as writing the book, it's prone to typos, errors. And I wanted the book to be, you know, something that people can copy and paste from. And I asked someone who, who reads a lot of coding books like yourself, Alan, it's like a pet peeve of mine that, you know, when I copy and paste, it doesn't work. Either the code breaks, either the command line output is different for a different version of Elixir or whatever, or there's just typos, or hey, sometimes the line numbers get copied along with the code, right? <laughs> if they're copying stuff like that. So all of that, I didn't. I wanted to write a book that at least minimizes those problems in an ideal world, eliminates those problems. So I did a lot of research and built this tool, which allows you to programmatically insert a code snippet from specific lines in between text. And that way you can have a code snippet exist independently of your text and you can test them. You can add CI as part of your repo, the the book's repo, and code is in a completely separate repository or separate folder and you can like write tests for each code. Another thing I did was also make it like that for command line outputs. So instead of copying and pasting command line outputs, you would put okay, here's the command that I'm going to run. The CI runs it for you. And if there's any git diff, CI breaks. That means your command and output changed, right? So I wanted deterministic book and the final product, the final book that that gets generated. And obviously all of this gets piped to Pandoc to generate the final PDF and the Kindle version. But yeah, again, happy to talk more about that. But I wanted to work with publishers, A, who would not put a lot of pressure on me to finish a book 
which a couple of them did, they wanted me to finish the book in eight months. <laughs> and so, so, and Pat was very flexible with this. And I also, uh, they were also very flexible with allowing me to spend three to four months building this tool to help me write the book in an efficient way, the way I wanted to write a book, right? Okay, I mean, that's that's interesting. So it, it sounds like, because there's basically two ways that books kind of get written in my understanding. It's like one way is that the publisher will approach you. Usually it's like you're somebody in the community, you have a following, so they, AKA it's easy to sell a book because you have an audience already. And two is that they have they have a book and they know, got to find somebody who's at least kind of known and then is willing to actually write the book, right? So, but I, I guess the other way too is that, which it sounds like what you had, which is that you had the idea to write the book and you're trying to find the right publishers. Is that the, the third way was probably what you had, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, closer to the second one. Um, actually, the idea for the book has been there in my mind for a while and a different publisher reached, who, who, who has only a couple of books first reached out to me in 2019 about running the book. At that time, I think not many people had a lot of Elixir experience and I had just given a few talks and had a blog. So they were like, okay, you want to write a book in Elixir? But I wasn't, I was starting, starting a company. I wasn't in the mindset to write a book at that time. But I think that definitely teased the idea that was a seed inside that was planted, right? Like, okay, some if a publisher reached out to me, maybe I can write a book. I was wrong. <laughs> it's a lot of work. But yeah, later on in 2020, early 2021, when, when I had this idea, and I can talk more about how the idea came later, and I already wrote a few chapters, rough chapters. And, and I was like, maybe it's, it's time to look for a publisher. And yeah, I thought, uh, Pragmatic was the first people I went to, obviously. And it looked like they already had a few Phoenix books coming out at that time. And they wanted me to either do a small version of the book, like a 90-pager, and so it doesn't compete with other big books, which makes sense, which is very fair. So I couldn't work with them, but a couple of the publishers that I reached out to, they were putting a lot of pressure on me in terms of the time frame and Pact were the most... Dude, they didn't even complain. They didn't complain about a single thing. They were... I can't believe how smooth this was. Like, uh, I've heard stories of, like, you know, publishers kind of breathing down uh, the author's next about like, hey, putting pressure, right? I know Pragmatic doesn't do that, right? But I know about other publishers that do it. And it was great to see that Pact is another very great publisher to write books for. If someone, any, anyone listening is thinking about writing their first book, definitely try to Pragmatic, obviously, but if they're not available or if you want to try a different channel, reach out to Pact, they're, they're pretty awesome. And they have a lot of awesome books coming up about Elixir and functional programming. Yeah, Pact, the thing about Pact is they have a lot of books. It's They don't really have much of a... Of I don't know. I guess there's a lot of publishers don't really much of a kind of focus, right? But it right. seems like the amount of books that they come out with is just insane. Yeah, I think they're just a bigger publishing house, right? They're just huge. They have so many employees. They have kind of taken the route of hiring. I think it is more of a quantity over quality, for lack of a better word, right? Like it's it's more of that. Not to say that the quality isn't as good, but you know, obviously, if you're targeted towards a specific domain, like pragmatic is towards Elixir and some of the newer languages, like if we get like genetic algorithms in Elixir, you're not going to get at any of the publishers publishing that book and it's so awesome that pragmatic has the scope and the user base to publish a book like that but yeah pat is trying to get into elixir that was that was the main reason to work with me they had already have had two elixir books before this and they wanted to do an elixir book that something like that doesn't exist in the community and they wanted to kind of for like a better word like take a take a risk <laughs> and like go publish like a different book and they are trying to get into some of these new languages rust and elixir specifically they're really trying to get into and have like different options available for people. Yeah, I definitely heard that. And I think they probably have the most amount of Elixir books and they may be followed up by, I don't even know. I'm oh, sorry, I'm talking about Rust. Uh, they have the most amount of Rust books I've 
ever seen. Yep. And I think it's been followed quickly up by Manning. And I yep. think I can agree with you. I didn't want to say this out loud, but you've already said it. I do think they go for quali- uh, quantity over quality. And like you said, not yep. to say that some of the books are not like amazing, but there's just they're not so selective over their authors as some other publishers, right? Frank, the positive that. side about that one is like, if you want a book about you know how to use Rust to build, I don't know, something with Legos, they probably have five books about that. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like they're, right. very, they're very niche topics, which is quite interesting. But th- that's then like the fun part is usually everybody has a niche problem to a certain extent. So yeah. sometimes those can come in really big handy. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the great things about Pack is also, I think the, just the, again, the quantity, the quantity of technical reviewers they have in, in the, at the disposal, right? Like the kind of suggestions I got early on in the process, like was quite amazing. And I know that they've only recently developed these this quantity of technical reviewers uh they have like created this entire like ecosystem packed ecosystem where if you're a reviewer or a regular reader you can like subscribe monthly and like get access to the entire selection of books and just read whatever you want for like 30 bucks a month or something and i think they're trying to go for that kind of a model where you know they have this huge community and reviewers i mean 15 people 15 technical reviewers reviewed my book uh, that, that's pretty that's pretty awesome right and i got some really amazing feedback or especially early on like how i can structure my chapters to make it more intuitive because obviously i have been thinking about this book for like a while so the way i'm thinking is not going to translate to how someone who hasn't thought about the book will read it right so i got a lot of very useful feedback and i haven't spoken to like other authors and even pragmatic uh didn't have nearly as much support and as much feedback and you know in, in terms of a uh, number of people reviewing the book and a number of people who read a lot who are reviewing your book right so so they know how a good book is written so yeah that's a huge advantage of uh, working with pack because if you're a first-time author like me I, I i suck at writing i'm i'm a terrible writer english is my I guess it's kind of my first language right now, but I still hesitate in saying that. But it's I'm not very comfortable writing anything <laughs> in English. It takes me like uh, 20 minutes to write a Gmail response. So yeah, having someone to kind of act as guardrails around me to help me write this uh, was was really awesome. Yeah, I find it kind of interesting. Like also um, because I, as I've said before, I'm also kind of writing a book at the moment. I don't want to say too much because I jinx myself. But <laughs> the what, what also is kind of interesting too is some of the editors, right? Because writing is writing. And so at least for me, my editor, like I looked him up and, and I was like, oh, this is my editor. And it was like a guy who wrote quite a few history books. So I'm thinking to myself, can he really like help me, you know? But basically, I don't know, but like, is your, was your, any of your editors kind of like doing other things that you thought maybe they would be, you know, not so suitable or? So not me, but I ha- I know it was like that earlier for Pack 2. And this is where I mentioned like in the last two, two and a half years, they like revamped their tech writing and they do like less tech writing too. Like they have this like F- uh, Fruity Loop Studio, like music development book and stuff. They do have books like that too, but they have like really made sure they have technical editors and technical reviewers who not just like technical in terms of like overall engineer like elixir people functional people reviewing your book uh if you're writing an elixir book or rust people reviewing your rust book and right that's the approach it took and and i have seen it myself i want to say like the books in like last two three years the quality has gotten pretty good the ones that came out in the last two years especially because they built that entire community of people who who are incentivized 
to read a lot of books and like, you know, because they get free books and stuff like that. So yeah, I think on top of the compensation, obviously, right? On top of getting compensated, they also get like access to free books. So I think that that, that model has really worked well for PAC. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, the other thing too, like like I said, writing is writing is, is also pretty good. But also I found out my editor is also like, I think, I forget if he's a tester or something, but he does actually work with software and he actually does that in a lot of time writing software documentation. Uh, not nice. just, you know, like, okay, this function, but like actual, like for customers, you know, so it's like, okay, this guy, he knows more than I thought. Like, let's, let's see how it goes. And so far, it's been good. But in the end, you know, awesome. it's writing is writing. You got to make sure you have the right tone and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, going back to you, I mean, I don't know. For me, the hardest part was like starting, right? How did you actually manage to start something? Yeah, so I think it might be different from other... I mean, everyone has their own story, right? So so for me, and I'll talk about the book, right? So the book is about like building your own web framework and Alexa teaches you how to build something like Phoenix, like a sm- smaller version, right? And this is something I kind of did very early on in my life. So I started off as like a Ruby and Elixir developer. Elixir, it was before Phoenix 1.0 came out, right? So uh, that allowed me to look at Elixir and Ruby on Rails differently because Rails was all this magic. And at at that time, Elixir was not, right? Because we had to build a lot of things from ground up. So it forced me to look into Rails code. I would go and read Rails source code as a junior developer who just learned Ruby. So what how, how that helped me in my mentorship was when whenever I would like teach people about Rails or, or Elixir or, or, or Phoenix, I would kind of break things down for them. I'd be like, hey, this is how the router works. If, if they have any questions, like, oh, why can't I put a pipeline inside a pipeline? For writing a router pipeline, right? Why can't you nest it? Oh, because it's written this way. And you can like show it to them, build it for them. And I kind of took it to like a little higher level where my wife was just like shifting, uh, switching her careers from a dental hygienist to a uh, a software developer in 2019 and she had like uh, you know she had a lot of like she was doing rails right and she had like very she could not really find uh, you know it was very opaque for her she could not really translate her understanding properly so i was like come let's just sit and try to build rails right so three hours and we had like rails down and um and it was not the first time i did that <laughs> and i'm like oh wow i've done this so many times in elixir and ruby and every time i do it to people i mentor they really found very useful. So I want to write a book about this whenever I get a chance. So this idea was there for a while. I had done this for a while. I'd given talks about it at meetups and conferences. So I had a very solid starting point. I know I knew where to start because I had built web servers before. Now, it wasn't as straightforward here because uh, the web server understanding that I had, having a computer science degree with web development uh, as a minor, for lack of a better word, I knew a lot more about web servers than an average reader would, right? So yes, that was one of the suggestions I got from early reviewers that, hey, first talk about Cowboy as first chapter. That's a web server that's already built before using Gen TCP to build a server in the second chapter. So I think that's where the reviewers came in and helped a lot. Otherwise, I would have started off with like a web server architecture and like just build it instead of you know talking about a web server that's already there, like how 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 does it work, why certain design decisions have been made and stuff like that, right? So starting was easy in a way for me because I had a starting point, but it was modified by a uh, very good feedback I got from technical uh, reviewers early on. It's interesting. Did that answer your question? Uh, no, yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of curious to like, why not start with something like uh, Bandit? It's kind of more new. They've been trying to be a little bit better and it's all Elixir. Wouldn't that make, make more sense? I think it was before Bandit came out when I started writing okay. the first chapter. 
yeah. Or maybe it might have just came. I hadn't heard of it. It might just have come out. And I know the whole, the, the conversation was going on for a while, right? About replacing Cowboy and stuff like that or having an alternative. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was familiar with Cowboy. I did not know how well any other episode was written. And I knew how it worked. I had read about it. I had used it before Phoenix was a thing, right? So I, I was more confident about just like... uh using cowboy itself and like talking about you know the different callbacks and like patterns that cow- cowboy uses yeah but i mean cowboy is also a beast too right it's been around for a long time right yeah. but it's also written in erlang so it's a little bit more difficult to right. read for people who are beginning and, and speaking right. of beginning right what because i mean i don't know i i feel i have a slightly different idea like than than you do if you're saying like this kind of book would be for a beginner like i, I guess if you already knew like basics of like how the web kind of works with servers, then it'd be interesting to see how that's implemented within Cowboy, Elixir, etc. But you're saying that you think this book is should be for beginners because to me, like I said, I think that's when a beginner starts, they, they're more interested in like getting something done, and then maybe they're like, well, how does right. this thing actually work? Yeah, I would say I don't want to say it's like for intermediates only. And from the feedback I've gotten, it is more complicated than you know, obviously programming Elixir or something like that. But um, I think a good way to tell if, if you've read programming Elixir, if you've written a couple of Elixir apps, you've worked. In Elixir for like two or three months, then you're ready for this book. Obviously, if you have done Elixir for two years, three years, but haven't uh, kind of like taken a deep dive into Phoenix, you'll get a lot more out of this than someone who's only done for three months, right? But yeah, I I think it is mainly targeted towards those people who feel like they cannot contribute to open source for or Phoenix, like because it's like beyond what beyond their abilities, which it's not. It's very simple. If I can do it, most people can do it. And just wanted to like make it more accessible for people to feel more confident into feeling like they're a senior engineer who understand more details of how things work. Yeah, you, you got me. I might be cracking up this book a lot faster than than I thought because I'm actually kind of curious about how you know Phoenix works and how these kind of things work. I mean, I do know that like basically it's built upon Plug. So it's like if you understand Plug as as the core, then it's probably just lots of fancy stuff on top of there. I mean, can I can I say there? Or am I just oversimplifying? Yeah, yeah, it? totally, totally, totally. Phoenix is basically Plug, a few other components wrapped into um, many DSLs, right? That's all Phoenix is. So it, it it is Plug with like say Cowboy or something, which again is they use pl- Cowboy with a plug. They don't have a plug adapter for Cowboy. By the way, there isn't a behavior or documentation to write a plug adapter for a web server. So this this book kind of, I want to say it's the only documentation, official documentation how, of how a plug adapter works. So I had to read through the code and understand that. But that's a different point. But yeah, you're right. Phoenix is a plug, a pipeline, a plug pipeline. Even endpoint is a plug, right? And and yeah, everything is wrapped into like a DSL. And obviously like, you know, like ERB, helpers and live view is not a plug like the life cycle is not a plug but i think they interpret that as a plug like socket follows all the uh, behaviors and implementation that con would right so yeah yeah I, I do know that there's definitely some interesting and nice stuff that's added in from phoenix that obviously makes it easier to work with so it'd be right. interesting to see how all this stuff kind of works like i remember when i was able to use like eex for a project and I was like, oh, how the hell is it that they can like, that they can, you know, have these files and then like somehow they get compiled and it's like, wait a minute, this is actually built into Elixir itself. It's not a Phoenix thing. Right. <laughs> and I was like, right, this right. is easy. 
And now it's like, I feel like everything is not a mystery anymore. Once I did that, I was like, okay, actually, actually, this it's not too bad. Because if you think yeah, about yeah. it, like, like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, how do I say, Chris and, and Jose, like not to bring them down or anything, but they were just Rails developers around the same time I was to a certain extent, maybe a little bit more advanced than me. But somehow they went off, like one guy did a programming language, one guy that took that programming language made a very great framework. But they're just normal people like us, right? It's amazing. And then if you look yeah. at it, you're like, this is actually not that difficult. Yep, totally. I mean, the way Elixir does EEX is also like so much better than the way Ruby does <laughs> the the ERB stuff. But yeah, you're, you're, I think that's a great place to like start that cross, start to cross that bridge of I don't know Phoenix enlightenment <laughs> for like a better phrase, right? Like EER EEX is like awesome. Um, yeah, this uh, book also has a chapter about EEX about. Uh, you know, smart engine. We actually write our own engine as well for the web framework we, we do. And again, that's also something I haven't seen been done anywhere else. How do you write your own EX engine? It's something that there's not as much documentation for, for, obviously, because no one wants to do it. But yeah, you're right. That's one of the key components of Phoenix 2. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a, a book that can definitely show you all the core pieces and small bits. Yeah. So it's, I never thought about it like that, but yeah, that, that's quite interesting. And, it, and it's good like to market as saying, okay, yeah, this is definitely for intermediate. And I think that's, that's good. Although I, yeah. I don't know if I'm necessarily intermediate, maybe. Maybe I'm higher intermediate, but I'm also oh, yeah, really you're, curious. I mean, you're definitely this. senior. You're definitely senior. Ooh, but I don't uh, think senior pay. You, why? Because <laughs> we li- don't live in a region that would give you senior pay. Maybe. But, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you're definitely senior, Alan. And I think this book, Intermediate, but in my life, when, I mentor, when I've been mentoring people, the people who seek out books, right? The people who seek out mentors, they are, for lack of, I mean, they're just amazing. Within two months or three months of doing Elixir, their understanding of how things work, their appetite for knowledge is so high, uh, much higher than mine was. Uh, I I, I think they can easily read this book as a junior Elixir engineer and get more Mm -hmm. out of it. So if you are someone who buys Elixir books, if you're someone who's getting into Elixir, who has already read programming Elixir, if you've read programming Elixir, have a couple of Elixir side projects or Phoenix side projects as well, you can you can read this book and understand everything, right? And, and that's another thing with this book. At the end of every chapter, there is a testing section. <laughs> and for the people who are regular listeners of the podcast, it's probably going to surprise. Uh, but I wanted to make sure we test every component, how it's working. Not, not just, you know, uh, the components in the implementation itself. We also test the interface, the, uh, how to test a metaprogram in DSL. Like all that is super important. And uh, I think, the earlier you learn this, I think the more you'll get out of the testing thing too, right? Like, because it, it'll help you solidify the testing mindset. You don't worry that the sooner you get them into testing, the more they may not want to keep continuing with the book? <laughs> I mean, uh, that's a risk. That's a risk I'm happy to take. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, any any excuses to promote uh, testing, I, I will do it. I wanted to TDD for the book, but I think that would have like really turned off uh, a lot of it, a lot of people. So I did not do TDD. Well, you'd be happy to know this that like when I was creating my videos on YouTube, which I still plan to go back to, I think I did mine TDD style. Like I, I, initially, I was nice. doing very super easy, and then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do this the way I would actually do it. So I start with a test, and then uh, would make my changes. It would fail, make the changes, make a pass, and then like because I feel like so many tutorials and stuff they don't do this. Yet at the same time, I'm sure most. Most of those people, at least some of them, do promote TDD or even testing in general. Like as long as you test, even if you make the change and then test, I think I'm okay yeah. with that. It's just the testing part. I think is super important. Yeah, 
so great to hear you say this, Alan. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that's because that's actually, that, that's actually one of the questions I do have when I do follow tutorials. It's like, well, okay, I understand it, but how do I make sure that this is true? How do I test yeah. this? That's always one of my questions I have in my head. And then that's another Googling session I got to spend hours on. So it's good if people yeah. actually include that. <laughs> nice. like, I almost wish that the Phoenix book included tests sooner to a certain extent, but at least I have a section about it, which is important. That's what I feel too. It, the book should have included testing. Um, it does include testing, two. but not yeah, not in each chapter. Not, which yeah, been chapter nice. two, right, right, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, so so after you launch it, like so, because this is like a, a new age, right? Where basically everything is digital. Like I was just watching this uh, documentary about GameStop and why GameStop kind of failed. It's because right. part of it was because video games, as you know, it went from physical copies um, to digital download. Yeah. Right. So now that we're in another stage where, yeah, obviously behind you is a book. Looks like that is the the book on the bookshelf or on the fireplace behind that you. That is. Yes. I mean, there's just a couple. I mean, there's just a couple of those. But now, what does it mean to actually launch a book? Does that mean that it's been on sale on Amazon, or you know, how do you actually say that the book is kind of done and it's been quote unquote launched? I mean, when it's sent for printing, right? I guess it, it's it's still bad. But uh, yeah, I guess the Kindle version is available online. That's the one that's actually on sale right now. And yeah, I think it's like sale for like I think it's five bucks cheaper than uh, what it is usually. But but yeah, I mean, honestly, the book has been done in my mind for a while. It's just the last bits of you know making sure the set, the, the format works for the publishers and stuff like that. But the Kindle book could have been launched uh, you know three weeks before the actual publishing date. Surprising though a lot of people who bought the book bought the physical copy i would say 60 65 percent of people or the physical copy some people did both which is great which our our listeners are welcome to do <laughs> but yeah it's good to see people are still buying the physical book although i never buy physical books i always buy the digital version i don't have space most kind of curious did, did i mean because you get a, a commission per copy sold right you get pennies yeah. or something like that I'm, I'm kind of curious about this part if somebody buys a bundle with both does that mean you get it counts as two books sold, or is that one book sold? Two books sold. Two books. Okay. Yeah. Also, by the way, I I took a kind of a small cut in my. If you compare my book with other packed books, it's a little cheaper, and I wanted to keep it below thirty five bucks, forty bucks. I think it's going at over forty two or something. So I took a little bit of cut on my share just to keep it um, a little little cheaper than around the pragmatic cost. What what pragmatic bookshelf books cost? What the reason I say this is because if any of our listeners are if it if it's still too expensive for them. Like, reach out to me, you know. Uh, some of you have already reached out, by the way, on uh, through email that's expensive for you. And I, I, we can find a way to get a discount uh, code or maybe even get up to you for free. Uh, there, there are ways to do that. So if anyone wants to read it, really wants to read it, stu- especially students or junior engineers and are having a hard time buying it, right, reach out to me. My email should be in the show notes and I'll find a way to get it to you. Uh, now that you brought up to my mind, like, is, does this mean that we're, we don't have a discount code for, for the show? For the show, right now we don't, but I think by the time we will have the show notes, the discount code will be ready. Okay. The, the publishers are working working for working on one, and I think it'll be like a fifteen percent discount. But like I said, if 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 we have students or engineers from like, especially from like, you know, different countries where you know, salaries are, it's like, it's, it's, everything is relative, right? So like, reach out to me if this hard for you to buy. And uh, my goal writing this book isn't to make a cut. I mean, Alan, you know, right? Like, I mean, it, it, lifetime sales of the book will be like the sixth of my salary, right? Of my yearly salary. It's not something that like really make a difference in my life. So my goal is for most people to read this book. So yeah, if, if people are having a hard time buying it, reach out to me and I'll 
I'll find a way to get it to. Yeah, you can basically unless you're Obama or somebody as popular as as the him, you're not <laughs> right. going to be rich from a book. And and uh, that at least you look, at least you look, you look good though. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard quite a few people like, I heard some guy who got, he wrote a book about Flutter and then he actually got hired to work and go because of the book on Flutter. Oh, wow. And it's, it's, and, and it sounds weird, right? But the reason is, and even he knew nothing about uh, Go, but I mean, basically the guy was like, listen, you wrote a book. It takes a lot of time and effort and yeah. perseverance and everything else. That's a good quality to have. So would you like to, you know, come work? Yeah. So speaking of that, right, has it opened any interesting doors now that you your your book is out and, and everybody's able to purchase a copy? Has there been anybody reaching out to you or anything come from come, uh, came from it? Yeah, I think um, not, nothing no opportunities because of the book directly yet what has been good is the i have received so many emails uh and messages on linkedin it's overwhelming actually i was expecting maybe like you know 10 15 messages right but i was not expecting over 100 150 messages uh within a week of launch and that is it just shows you how excited our community is Alexa community, right? Like the fact that, I mean, I'm not like a, any known person in the community, right? And the fact that people are buying, reading my book and reaching out to give feedback and all of that is overwhelmingly positive. It's It just shows how awesome Alexa community is and how excited people are about all this interesting books coming out, which, you know, there, there aren't many books like these, right? And people are, are people are excited to read them and give feedback and like even like reach out and say, hey, it, it helped me a lot to understand how a router works. I always was very confused about how Phoenix Router works. Like, I, I can't tell you how many people specifically mentioned that router part on the chapter 8, 9, and 10, the metaprogramming part. So uh, it, it's very rewarding, man. It, it I think that is more, I think of any opportunities I could get that what the happiness and the satisfaction I got just in this like last five days of all the emails uh, that I've received, it, it, I think it, it can be matched unless someone offers me a million a year. <laughs> but but I don't, I'm not going to get that. But yeah, I think with Elixir Jobs, I don't think I'm going to do any better than this the job I have right now. So I'm not really expecting this book to change my life in any way. Just give me the satisfaction of like that I've at least given back to the community a little bit. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, maybe we can kind of go quickly kind of through, well, it doesn't have to be quickly actually, but kind of go over like the different chapters, right? So chapter one yeah. is all about, like you said, the kind of how cowboy works and actually kind of build a, a very simple cowboy, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. That's all chapter well, no, one. The ch- chapter one is, it re- it goes through cowboy without even building it. It goes through how cowboy works, its life cycle and builds an app using cowboy so we can understand how web server like cowboy works. And then chapter two is building a web server from scratch using just Gen TCP and yeah, just pretty much that an INET module of our line. Okay, and what's following that then? Yeah, so once you have a, a web server, uh, you you want to respond and like dispatch. You know, say you got you got a web server, you got you need you need the ability to like dispatch a request to you know a controller or a module, right? So routing. So next part covers like routing uh, with plug. So how you can use plug router to do some routing, obviously, uh, because I don't talk about metaprogram until the very end. There's a lot of boilerplate as well, which I think it's good to get into. So like how you can work around the deficiencies of plug router that it has when you're trying to run a DSL to dynamically dispatch calls to different controllers based on configurations. So does this mean that by the time that we finish up the book, we'll be able to write around Phoenix? No, Phoenix is a lot more than this book. So for one big example, this book doesn't cover LiveView. I started writing this book when LiveView was very new. And yeah, I, I could have added a chapter. It just would have been not one. It would have been two chapters. <laughs> 
But yeah, this is also not a production level, like the web server we build is not production level, right? We can't build Cowboy in one chapter. So if you want to host your website using this the web framework we build in this uh, book, it's called Goldcrisp, by the way, which is by a quick se- segue. It's a smaller bird, not as big as a phoenix. It's a smaller phoenix. So yeah, so if you want to build like a side project with that, it should, it should be, you should be able to do that. Regular REST, uh, you should be able to write tests, everything, right? But WebSockets and any kind of, I don't know, heeks. It doesn't have heeks, right? HTML, compile time HTML syntax validation. It doesn't have that. So it doesn't have a lot of features that Phoenix has. Like it doesn't have Phoenix HTML, like all the helpers that Phoenix HTML comes with, right? Speaking of that, now you got me kind of curious. Like I tried to, like, because I have a bunch of templates with, with Phoenix HTML and then I upgraded to 1.7 and then like it seemed like the changes that they want to do is that you shouldn't be using any more like the Phoenix HTML stuff. That they want you to basically use all heeks and actual HTML. Right. I think the HTML, Phoenix HTML is still used. It's, it is used mm-hmm. in the, I think it's called a components module. That defines all the overrides. I think Phoenix HTML is still imported over there. I'm not sure how you're using it in the templates. It might not be imported properly. I don't know, right? Because you upgraded instead of regenerate. So I don't know if uh, your web.ex file looks the way it should. But I, I do use Phoenix HTML with 1.72. But good thing is components, I mean, that's a, a quick segue. 1.7 comes with components. You have modals already there, already there. Like you don't have to re-implement those things. You can literally build a simple web application in like a couple hours because <laughs> it has all the components, forms, modals, buttons. Uh, it even has the the checkbox with the sliders. It has everything. Yeah, to be honest, like, I kind of like this style more because before yeah. it was a little bit confusing and like what are the things to add in and right uh, and this yeah. and this also allows you to change it based on your application. Yeah. If Phoenix HTML, you cannot, I mean, you could, there's weird ways you could, but this has, you have all the code right there that you, it's generated for you that that's editable. Yeah. And also, it doesn't take too much time to actually rebuild those components in Phoenix HTML, like by yourself to a certain extent. So, yeah, because they're, they're yeah. not too difficult. Because what was tricky before, right, is that you couldn't just insert strings into your templates. You know, you had to wrap them with safe and everything like that if you wanted to build up your own stuff. Or you have to use like the, right. the div functions. Or, there were functions, I think, right, or macros or something where you would be able to like nest them, like div, do, right. or something. I never I forgot used what those. It, yeah, I did a couple of <laughs> yeah. times. It, they're not easy to, to use when you first start off. And then after a while, they, they're not also easy to read. To be right, because it's but, like all ASTs, right? It's all, it's all the tuples. It's, it's what yeah, something like yeah. that. So yeah, I, safe mean, and raw I do enjoy this a lot more. And, and actually, I was super against Heeks at the beginning. I was like, this is stupid. I hate this. Because like, there's, it's just, it takes some time to used to. But then yeah. after I got used to it, I was like, all right, this is, I can do it. Like, I don't really love it. And then after I started making components and, and this was when, it, when we have the, the uh, compile time guarantees with like you would declare yeah. what attributes, I was like, actually, this is kind of nice. That is the best part about Higgs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the compile and time the slots. It, it took me some time to also wrap my mind around slots. Yeah. Well, I think that's where the Phoenix thing is going, right? I'm such a huge fan of the whole compile time guarantee with the new route, uh, the sigils as well, right? Like, like the uh, or pat the tilde p and tilde u right uh, that one too it, it, i was quite a little bit against <laughs> i was like come on i like this because then i could if i kept the name i could change the route right yeah but you could still define your helpers at point to the tilde p and tilde u right like you could still yeah. do it that way but it's 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 it just the, that's where the guarantee comes man the it's so awesome and i i think e- you can even add slashes as so it looks for slashes, right? But if slashes aren't there, there are also warnings, 
So I think that, again, it's, it's pretty awesome that they have such a good compile time verification of HTML mm-hmm. templates. Like, I mean, no offense, but Ruby on Rails can't even dream of getting it. <laughs> it's like so behind. It's so behind. I'm, I still help people with Ruby on Rails and things are so, so behind over there. Phoenix has already way, way surpassed Ruby on Rails and all these things. Well, Ruby on Rails has that method missing that they use all the time. That's probably why they cannot do it, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there's ways to explicitly break if method missing is getting called in certain things. But point is, like, I think the community has not has not been driven in that direction. Like the like Chris McCord and Jose, everyone are aligned about the whole compile time checks, right? Like, you, the more things you catch at compile time, the better. And Ruby doesn't have that option altogether. <laughs> Ruby doesn't have that option. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They, it is just kind of like interpreted right. on the fly to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to bash it like that. It was like one of my bread and butter frameworks for for a long time. But yeah, I, right, right. It, it does take time. You have to kind of what do you call that? You have to try something else and get into it, and then you start to see kind of like the beauty of it or the good parts of it. And there's there's always some things that you're gonna miss. Like I do miss so many like helper functions that were in Rails that I wish I had. And then there's some that were ported over. You know, like I don't know if you do you know what I'm talking about. Like like there's like number to currency, right? That was built in. I see. Yeah, there was just some yeah. nice helper stuff that were just like, oh, this is great. Humanize. <laughs> right. Humanize, yeah. yeah. But we have these kind of things. We also have inflections and we have these other things too. And right. so there's still some, like, you can usually find most stuff, but you have to add it in, which, you know, give or take. It's I guess it is less bloat, right? Because it's not in there by default. Right. So, yeah. But, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, again, just to be clear, I wasn't trying to bash uh, Ruby on Rails. I, this I said with all due respect, I think because Ruby is the foundation on top of which Phoenix was designed initially, right? Like gave Phoenix... What Phoenix is, what Phoenix is, what Phoenix is, because of Rails, you can say in a way, right? So I don't want to bash it, but I think right now, I just uh, if you're starting from from scratch, uh, I mean, Phoenix is just way ahead and ensuring you build a deterministic, more uh, stable, scalable application than I think Rails can ever even hope to get to. <laughs> yeah, I think so too, and I think they have different different crowds and stuff, and I find it quite interesting that mm, I don't know, I, I feel like. It used to be that Rails was always kind of like innovative. And then now, not to say they don't have innovation, but I feel like there's a lot more innovation happening in Phoenix and stuff, which is quite, quite cool. Yeah. Especially with live view, right? It's like, okay, wow, this is interesting. And it seems like other people are doing that too. Yeah. But coming back to the, to the topic, right? So when you, when your book launched, you took a long deserve sleep, which sounds good to me right about now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, what, what what's next on your agenda? Do you do you want to take a rest for a while? And then are you considering to write another book, or are you already doing that now? Or you're just like, this is really not for me. I'm I'm good where I am. I think having written a book has definitely given me the energy to think about another one, but n- not right not right now. I think I think instead of like seeking to write a book, if something comes in my mind, if an opportunity comes up where oh hey, a book with like this would be good, I would just be more open to it, right? But I'm not like seeking to write another book. I think I'm going to kind of like the time that this not running a book opened up uh, and I've quantified it to around 8 to 10% of my time. I'm going to try to just like sleep more, play more video games and stuff because uh, I already like, I mean, have a pretty more than a full-time job. I advise five startups on the side. It's not, I, I don't want to add something new to it right now or voluntarily add something new to it <laughs> right now. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's that's one thing we don't have a finite amount of is time, right? Right. So then is the wife happy that you're kind of not doing that anymore? She gets more time with you too? <laughs> you didn't mention that part, by the way. Yeah, she does. And that's one thing I didn't compromise on earlier either. Like that's my source of energy. It gives me more energy than sleep does. Being, and glad you brought it up, I just want to, I mean, give a shout out to my wife again. Like uh, her name is Susan. 
and and she is just literally without her none of this would be possible like ha- having someone to support you because you have good days and bad days right like have having that stability like stability like a zero 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 origin that you can go back to like that's always constant right like that that's always with me supporting me uh, she's a software engineer too so she was, would like literally read the book read my book a, a couple times for me before i even gave it to the reviewers gave me that early feedback like having that person is awesome and like and best part is she's my best friend she always has been my best friend and like uh, being married to a best friend you know also gives you that energy to take on motivation energy to take on like things that seem challenging right like uh, uh, three years ago i would have like me writing a book no way <laughs> you know but i think having someone to support you at that level is so important to take on these kind of challenges yeah uh, fair enough yeah okay that that's well it's good that she that she gives you that for me, yeah. I mean, for me, I, I feel I have a different, little bit different relationship where it's like, for me, it's like, okay, you do your thing, I do my thing. And then, when, you know, we come back together. And, but not to mention, well, I mean, of course, she does support me sometimes, but we're, we're mostly kind of doing our own thing, you know, which is, gotcha. suits me. Yeah. So this is well, long as suits you, right? Yeah. Whatever, yeah, exactly. Whatever uh, flies my, what, what was the name of the framework again? Goldcrest. <laughs> yeah, whatever flies my Goldcrest. Nice. But uh, yeah, I mean, coming back around, I mean, I, I think we covered a really good amount, and you know, the book is out. You can get it on Amazon for a slight discount, and uh, if you if you need help, uh, definitely reach out to you to to get that right. If you and we should have a code for everybody, fifteen percent off, which is good. I mean, is there anything else that we missed for for the book? I feel like we covered a good amount, and, and if we cover any more, then basically, no need to buy the book. We we already gave you guys the whole uh, <laughs> audio book, right? <laughs> No, yeah, definitely buy the book. The code obviously is the is the king in the book, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of diagrams, testing, as I mentioned before. A lot of, uh, I think, I, I had a lot of thought-provoking exercise at the end of every chapter. So after you re- read the, a chapter, you have something to go back and like further kind of massage that brain <laughs> of yours, like to just like revisit a few concepts that will go in the chapter. So yeah, do buy the book. Oh, also, the, the tool that I wrote to, to write the book, uh, that's, I guess that's the one that's next, Alan. Uh, I want to get it to a place where it is uh, worthy of being made public and open source. So that's like next on my plate. So watch out for that too. Oh yeah. I'm, I may want to check out your, your tool and see how it goes. Could be interesting. Could be useful for me. I'll also leave a link to that talk that I was mentioning that I gave at Codebeam oh, a couple of years yeah. ago about uh, describing that tool. So check that out too. I, th- I think it's a, it's a neat little talk. Oh, anything else we want to cover before we head over to PIX? I'm all set. Cool. And I don't know, should I ask you to to give the pick or should I go first? I mean, my pick is the book, right? Like, the like, book. like, uh, yeah, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, reach out to me if it's expensive or out of someone's budget. Reach out to me and I'll, I'll make sure to find a way to get, get that book too. Okay. For me, it, so as I said, I got my home studio going on and I, I used to, uh, at the office, I have a bit bigger desk. So I use a Rodecaster Pro 2, which is quite a big kind of mixer. And I needed another similar mixer for home, but I, I went and got the Rode Streamer X. So it has a capture card inside and also it's an audio interface. And it works perfect for me because it could fit one microphone and also I can do some uh, sound effects. Let me see. There we go, like that. That's awesome. Yeah, and I can also... Change my voice. So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, it's been working out great. So I think if you're, if you're, if you got small space and you have one mic and you, and you want to have an XLR input and also capture game footage, I think this is a pretty good thing. I haven't actually tried the game card yet. I'm thinking to try it maybe tonight. But uh, yeah, that's my, my pick. 
And with that, I mean, it's been great hearing about your book because it's been a long journey. And now you did finally get me a copy the day that we interview. <laughs> so I couldn't, I couldn't check it out yet. No, you know, yeah. So I hope to check it out. And now you excited me really. You really excited me about the book because I would, I love to dig down deep into topics that I am pretty familiar with on the surface level. So this is really perfect for me. Thanks so much for that. Awesome. Looking forward to hearing your feedback. Okay. And then see you guys next time on Elixir Mix. I think Sasha says bye, right? That's all he says. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>